we're back here again. Syllabus Journal Report. We're doing another news entry. We'll update in the journalism of our time. I'm looking at the horrific and organized, highly orchestrated sex crimes of Peter Nygaard. The Peter Nygaard fashion parties. All the moguls, all the Hollywood elite like to go there and have parties with all the underage girls. The pedophile rings. That's what it's all about. Not a lot to talk about that. You get canceled. You're gonna do the my pillow guy thing on you and just cancel you. You try to talk about perverted sex crimes of the Hollywood elite. with astonishment at this Peter Nygaard case as it really begins to unfold. It really began like a year ago and it wasn't something that the media, the social media, the popular mainstream media would really report on very often. And of course, the grudging details slowly come out and the, the truth can't be hidden and it, apparently his sons are actively revealing that he was having his mistress's have sex with them at a young age and all the details are coming out about the rape allegations that he was assaulting young women and the class action lawsuit is coming into play so that's kind of think they're up to maybe a hundred over a hundred people are are in on the class action lawsuit that's coming against him it's really revealing a lot of this information and he apparently was paying off the agents and the police and the Bahamas, the Bahamian law enforcement agency was getting paid off so that they weren't really reporting a lot of this stuff. And a lot of the video was coming out showing him just being a total pig on his private plane. And you can expect that that's what the lifestyle is here with these people and, and how they continue to this lifestyle of total reprobate hedonism, which continues to permeate the, uh, the super wealthy classes who think they have no longer have any accountability to the rest of society or to laws. And you can see that in many ways this guy represents, this Peter Nygaard, represents the quintessential power player and, and pervert kingpin that's at the center of all this um, kind of controversy strategy. So can you imagine that in, in the back you have the Hollywood elites being protected by the police and by you know the, the Bahamas authorities and Twitter and as they are they like in the back with um, with Weinstein and Epstein and, and Nygaard and they're all high-fiving as they have these huge Hollywood parties and they bring the little the, the actresses, the young starlets over to the Hollywood parties with Harvey Weinstein and Peter Nygaard and and of course you can't say anything or you won't be invited to the parties so you can see how that this whole pop culture all the young people and the drugs and the whole excitement about getting a part in the movies and the energy the the obsession that they control the the youth they control the young people 
and there's plenty of young ladies who are willing to pop onto a bikini and dance around the pole, the stripper pole, in, in Peter Nygaard's private plane. While CNN and the Hollywood think tanks are the geniuses over there in the Hollywood studios, and the Twitter, Facebook, social media technocracy over there, maybe they weren't very interested in reporting on the oh, these crimes with Peter Nygaard. But the people in Canada seem like they're really pissed. I have the CBC, which is a Canadian news network. Secret Nygaard videos show former fashion mogul charged with sex trafficking, traveling with teenage girls. Okay, so we have the video where he was having his people go around and videotape his rock star lifestyle. And, of course, he's going to have a 17-year-old girl on the plane at the time. So... Hours of behind-the-scenes video shot by whistleblower show former Canadian fashion mogul Peter Nygaard, who is alleged to have abused women and girls for decades, screaming at his employees and approaching a 16-year-old girl at the London Olympics. Nygaard has been in jail uh, since his arrest last month, but is fighting to be released on bail, bail which was denied, as we'll find out later, with a decision expected next week, which already happened. At a hearing in Winnipeg court Thursday, Nygaard's lawyers presented a blah, 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 so we have Stephen Ferriel was hired as Nygaard's personal videographer in 2011 and he spent the next three years documenting Nygaard. When I first was hired, Nygaard told me the reason. So Nygaard was arrested in Winnipeg in December on extradition warrant. U.S. authorities accused him of racketeering, sex trafficking, and sexual assault involving dozens of victims. More than 80 women accused Nygaard of rape and sexual assault going back four decades. 57 are part of a, de of a separate class action lawsuit launched in New York in February 2020. Nygaard denies the charges against him and says they are all lies, blah, blah, blah. And several videos show, shared with CBC document what Nygaard called pamper parties. Every Sunday for years, Nygaard would host parties in the Bahamas or Los Angeles. Young women and girls were invited for what Nygaard said was a day involving sun on the fun on the beach, food and dancing. According to the indictment, the U.S. indictment, Nygaard recruited victims at pamper parties. Nygaard would just come down and choose a girl, usually they were drunk, said Ferrello, who was the videographer, and filmed several of the pamper parties. He would be grabbing them, dancing with them, and then at the end of the night, he would give me a signal, and that meant stop filming. He said and he would go upstairs to the room, sometimes with two or three girls. Ferrello was traveled with Nygaard, also traveled with Nygaard, documenting the life on his Boeing 727 airplane, and... One day in 2012, Ferrario said he filmed a party on the plane that included a 17-year-old girl dancing along with the other young women. They were all dancing on the stripper pole on the plane. So we have this video coming out on the New York Post. So this is really just getting into the, the background details of this story as it's coming out. And of course, it's been repressed. No one's wanted to talk about it. It doesn't show the Biden supporters in a very good light, this being their, their lifestyle. And you have to understand that what we're getting at here is a really just a look underneath the rock when it comes to sex trafficking and the tremendous amount of money that goes into making illegal sex trafficking and the illegal trafficking of young women or any women at all. And it just shows that this is really the the kind of impetus that happens. This is really why there's a firewall that goes down. There's so much censoring. There's so much um, tech Silicon Valley manipulation of these, these news articles. That just the algorithm doesn't like to reveal that really women are treated like trash by the left and by the, the hyper elite.
they're super wealthy. Their entire culture, especially in Hollywood, New York City and Los Angeles, is just about turning women into pseudo-porn stars. And when we look at this guy, this multimillionaire, he's out with all these young ladies at the club and they're just, they're barely clothed. Or they're on his plane and they're all in bikinis. And the, the whole idea of just perpetuating this lascivious kind of sex cult environment where women are reduced to just a, a sex object is really what's underlying the entire problem here and this that's not necessarily a, a, a infraction of the law when he when he took those 16 and 17 year old girls over to the Bahamas that's when he got his sex trafficking charges but the point is is just having this this lascivious lust filled lifestyle is really just perverse and it's destructive and it's really at the heart of what we're really trying to get at when we're trying to find a way to morally and socially protect young women and to to restore a sense of value in their in their body and their sexuality so that they're not just going to be exploited by these kind of stripper pushers, these kind of pimps who are out there just trying to reduce young women to party goers, drug addled party goers who are willing to to drop their their little panties to, to you know to, to get acceptance to, to receive the part or to get their picture taken so they can be a fashion model or whatever the pressure is. And really the article discussing how Peter Nygaard was really taking advantage of have impoverished and poor the children of poor families who were who were you know maybe they were handsome looking pretty young ladies and of course they're just going to be reduced to filmed photographed and sexually exploited and ultimately this is sex sex trafficking this is what it is this is what it is in Hollywood it gets down to the street level where you're going to reduce women to addicts to pushing them into prostitution and then when you film them and put that on the internet you're really destroying their ego and their sense of self-respect and their ability to face their families again and it's a, it's in order to get the drugs or to you know to, to to maintain to get the fix they have to keep selling their sexuality and this is really what we're getting at and, and the heart of the responsibility falls on the the men that are supposed to be standing up for these women in these industries who, are, who should be respecting and securing these these women of course are just taking advantage of them and that's that's what you're seeing with these these rape islands and you know the, the whole idea when I'm looking through these stories with Peter Nygaard, it looks like he had a madam, like a girlfriend, who helped him to secure these victims and to push young women who are there really just hoping for a career, hoping to find an ability to move forward with their dreams and their life. And, and there's this party-going environment where there's all these young women, there's club music, and there's drugs and drinking, and, and it looks like it's just fun, but ultimately they're, you're there just to be day-raped. And, um, of course, after that kind of thing happens, the, you know, the, the feelings of shame and remorse set in so that it's not easy to stand up against a monster like Peter Nygaard and, and in order to prevail. And, and so that's what these lawsuits are all about. And um, in order to take a further look, we have to get into this reporting here that was done with um, American thought leaders. It's Jan Yakelik on here with the attorney who's really driving some of these lawsuits. The ABBA law firm, and that's uh, Lisa ABBA, and she's um, going to be on here discussing the case. Was, you know, when this sort of online interaction begins, is the goal always ultimately to basically meet and then basically induct that victim into, I guess, prostitution or something like this? I'm not saying there's not other mechanisms by which they could exploit somebody, but 
the majority of the time, at least in my experience, yes, that is the ultimate goal. Because you can't sell something. You can make some money through doing online things, but if you can make more money through selling a human being in person, what makes sex trafficking so unique here is that it can often be more profitable than arms and drugs. It's a billion-dollar industry. And the reason it's so profitable is that if a, if a person were to be a drug dealer and they were to go buy a brick of cocaine from their supplier, they were to bring it back, they've now done a transaction, they've had phone communications, they have a product they need to sell, they'll cut it up, they'll sell it, and then they have to go buy more. And so there's this constant moving through commerce is going to make them more vulnerable to being infiltrated by law enforcement or being set up or betrayed by other criminals in the organization. But that can be a very dangerous place for a criminal to operate. With sex trafficking, once you buy a victim of sex trafficking, of course, they treat people like commodities. Once you buy a victim, you can resell that person over and over and over again and just make continual profit without having to buy a new commodity. So it becomes incredibly lucrative for individuals to sell people instead of just selling product. And they treat the people like their product and move it through commerce. It's just a, it's a horrible, horrible situation you're outlining. How big is this industry in the U.S.? It literally is nationwide. There's probably not a community that isn't touched by it. Any place where you will have a human being that wants to buy sex, you will have somebody willing to sell it. So, unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of advertisements and a push out there to legalize prostitution. There's a push out there to, um, you know, understand that boys and all these things. But the reality is, anytime you have this kind of industry out there, there's going to be somebody who's going to try to profit off of it. And traffickers will use that to exploit other yeah. human beings and try to make money at their expense. Uh, Lisa, tell me a little bit of the other cases that you're involved in. And actually, there's one quite high-profile one, a class action suit uh, against Peter Nygaard. Tell me about that. Sure. Um, I've partnered with another law firm, DeCello Levitt-Gutzler. We have, in conjunction, filed a class action lawsuit against fashion local Peter Nygaard in the Southern District of New York. The essence of the lawsuit is that Peter Nygaard, for the last 50 years approximately, has used his fashion business as a front and as a mechanism to run an international sex trafficking ring. We have probably 80 to 90 women at this point in our, and have signed up for the class action lawsuit. We constantly have a new flow of women calling us, alleging that they too have been hurt, raped, or trafficked by Peter Nygaard. And we've noticed over the, the course of the last 50 years that he has, in some cases, used extreme violence to commit these unspeakable crimes against women he rapes. In the last 20 or so years, approximately, he's actually become more orchestrated. Uh, what we saw a lot happening was he owns a property in the Bahamas. And he was he had a network of individuals, very similar to the Epstein model, where he would have what he called to be his girlfriends. And his girlfriends would be people that he had at some point victimized, raped, and manipulated. He had exerted whatever influence and control he could over them to compel them to work for him, whether they wanted to or not. And they were mandated to go out and find new victims for him. And he threw things called pamper parties in the Bahamas. A pamper party was, on its surface, it would be a great free event. Come to Nygaard Key, you can participate in massages and getting your nails done, you name it. 
and it'll be a big party that everyone will have a lot of fun at. But in reality, what it was, was Peter Nygaard was, had a recruiting ground on his own property. He would go out and he would pick his victim for the night, or his victims for the night. And he would either have sex with that person by agreement, or if they weren't agreeable, in some cases we have evidence that he was drugging people. We have another evidence, or his staff was drugging them at his direction. Um, in other instances, there would be a lure, such as, you know, we've had in our complaint, we allege, you know, there was multiple people that were offered modeling opportunities. Come up to my room and let's go look at, you know, let's talk business, which turned into a violent rape. So every, I think our youngest victim was 14 years old. Our oldest victim was in her 40s and then everything in between. So it really seems that Peter Nygaard has been, from what we can tell, the most prolific sex offender of our time. So... Has he ever been convicted of anything yet? No, for years, back to 1980, there have been allegations that have been brought forth against him, but they've always been dropped or done away with or something has happened of that nature. So, you know, we have evidence and we've alleged in our complaint that he had many of the politicians and police in the Bahamas on his payroll. You know, we understand that that might have been the case in, in other countries as well. But, no, Peter Nygaard has never been held accountable. This is the first time that's ever happened. And he was actually arrested on a U.S. indictment on December 15th of 2020. And he is now currently in the Winnipeg jail. And is, the United States government is seeking extradition of him. I mean, you have between 80 and 90 participants in this class action lawsuit. These are people who actually came forward that... It's kind of staggering to imagine the actual number of alleged victims here. It is. I mean, we, we suspect it's in the hundreds, if not the thousands. Um, and so what do you expect will happen next in this case now when, when we're, you're awaiting this extradition? We're currently on a stay right now. So what that means for civil law is that under the Trafficking Victim Protection Act, under U.S. law, we are paused, if you will, in our case. And there will be a point in time, I approximate maybe a year or two from now, um, when our case can be re-initiated and we can continue. But obviously during that time, we are still, you know, able to take calls and, and do investigation behind the scenes. And obviously during that time, that's when we've had a tremendous number of victims come forward and say, you know, I, too, was raped by Peter Nygaard. I, too, was trafficked by Peter Nygaard. And so, you know, obviously, the victim pool is not is not slowing down. And it's amazing how many more women are coming forward now that he's behind bars and they finally feel safe. Well, I mean, these are, these are incredible and uh, horrific stories to hear, Lisa. And, you know, you're doing some pretty incredible work. And I understand why there's you know, too few people, basically, that, that take this stuff on. It must take a terrible toll on you. It does, but, you know, I have great people around me to help with the support of that, and I have great people working with me to help further this cause. So for all the victims and survivors, it's truly an honor to work with them. Any final thoughts before we finish up? You know, if anybody is a victim of Peter Nygaard or is a victim of Twitter and they wanted to reach out, I'm happy to provide my contact information. Our phone number is 844-422-2529. And our website is www.habalaw.com. So what makes this 
all the more really damning of a case when we're looking here at this whole, all, all these facts beginning to come out. And you can tell that there's a lot of forces that are trying to repress this information, a lot of different centers of energy that are just really not wanting to hear this information be exposed in the media or in the public. Really not hard to understand why because we're really getting an up close and personal look at how the inner orchestration of these kind of criminal syndicate sex exploitation networks really work and if you look here at this daily mail article that just had come out let's see it was it was really a year ago so we're talking about this information is in the public life for a year prince andrews on bahamas visit to the second tycoon facing child sex crimes. So, looks like Prince Andrew, the tycoon, has links to Prince Andrew and has been accused of raping teenagers. He lured to the Bahamas mansion. Peter Nygaard, 78, allegedly told girls as young as 14 he could make them models before raping them and forcing them into performing deviant acts. Andrew visited Nygaard at his lavish estate in 2000 after the Canadian fashion designer had agreed out of court settlements with three employees who accused him of sexual harassment. Prince and his ex-wife Sarah Ferguson stayed at Nygaard K near Nassau with daughters Beatrice and Eugenie so they're really dishing here on this kind of horrific storyline that's beginning to play out. According to a 99 page lawsuit filed against him in New York, Nygaard used his 10 bedroom mansion to host pamper parties for teenage girls recruited at shopping malls and fashion events so this is really lured and really seedy and kind of disgusting. He and his employees told the girls they could be fashion models, but they plied them with wine and drugs before Nygaard allegedly raped them. Three alleged victims were 14-year-old virgins and said they felt scared and humiliated by the attacks, which left one needing medical treatment. The case had been fought on behalf of 10 women who alleged they were raped by Nygaard. Eight were teenage girls and two were adult employees on the Nassau estate. So you can see that these women are being severely mentally abused to the point where they're like subverting and finding other young ladies that can be brought into this situation. It's probably the, the drug addiction alone is, is a tremendously powerful. Lawyers said Nygaard, who is worth an estimated $690 million, ran a decades-long sex trafficking scheme that destroyed innocent lives. They said he used his company's private jet, dubbed Enforce, to take his victims with him on visits to London, Germany, Italy, and China and treated them as his personal servants. This is after he's abused them. He's treating them as his personal servants. Quotes, two yachts were allegedly used to transport drugs and liquor for the parties, and Nygaard was said to keep a database of 7,500 potential victims. The case had parallels with some of the accusations against Epstein. He used his private jet, known as the Lolita Express, to traffic young girls, young women and girls. So what we're seeing playing out here in the, the backdrop of all the tremendous political upheaval and all the different kind of the backlash that we're having, we're seeing with the technocracy, with Twitter and Facebook, who will not allow people to express their views. They're just censoring everything. They're really going to try to control the the uh, outcome of the story and to, to shape the development of where it can go. But really, uh, Prince Andrew here was quite a retard for and quite a pervert, apparently, and he's going to be tied in. So how deep does it go? How many other um, billionaires and millionaires are tied into in Hollywood elites? New York City and LA are tied into this criminal syndicate of pretended Illuminati uh, where they, they're probably murdering actors and pop stars and music singers and rock stars. Stuff. They're probably doing all these kind of things in the background. 
and it's starting to kind of become something that can't be kept out of the press now. It's information that can no longer really be totally controlled, and we need to look into it. And, and it's fascinating because even though the Biden uh, misfits are now taking over the White House, it doesn't seem like they have any power with the, the body politic. It seems like the entire populace, the entire political strata of the, the actual voters in the country seem to hate Biden. There's, there's the sense that he's really not really the president. And so he's rejected. So, I mean, I, I don't know if anyone's even paying attention to him or, I mean, you have the one governor out there. I think it was, I can't remember the state, but the, another governor is signing executive orders in his state to counteract the executive orders of Biden. And so you can see that these cases that are these prosecutions that are, you know, that, that are, that Hunter Biden is going to be dealing with are not going to go away. So they can circle back. And we're all really circling back now because this whole idea of this pedophile ring, this this cr- criminal culture in the elite sector that they can afford to pay these enormous sums to have these young ladies transported around and yachts or on private jets like the Lolita Express, like I've seen. And in some cases, they said that they were using submarines. So this is a very sophisticated network. This isn't just a couple islands. Now we have multiple islands, have multiple people. And they were talking about the the this the parties, the parties that he was he was holding these ragers that the all the Hollywood elite would come to. So let's talk. Let's tie in the Hollywood starlets and actors and all the the people with Jeffrey Epstein with the Weinstein case and all the parties. Then as they were going out here to Peter Nygaard's place. And let's just keep fleshing this out and expanding the parameters of this search and just keep looking at what's going to come out here. I think that we should continue to ask these questions and and we really can't get around the fact that this culture of wholesale sex market, the sex slavery that's going on here in the background of these these, uh, would-be oligarchs are going to ultimately tie in people like, in my opinion, and for what it looks like to me, if you look at the facts, as far as the Twitter, the guys up at Twitter there, Jack and and then over there, Mark at, at Facebook, they're really not protected. They're not, they can't shift the algorithm enough to ultimately keep this investigation from moving forward and coming to them. And we need to talk about that. We need to talk about how Twitter has a major pedophile problem. They have pictures of material that they're not taking off their, their network. And it looks like if we look forward with this Haba Law Group and this interview with Yan Yakelik, we're going to talk more about the issue with the images, the pornographic images on the internet of children that are really being sent around and fostered on Twitter. So Jack Dorsey wants to make sure that Donald Trump and Republicans and people who want to talk about a pedophile conspiracy are not allowed to have any platform on Twitter, but pedophiles with their pictures themselves are allowed to apparently have free reign. So we're going to have to talk about this rather disturbing issue. And that's why this is at the top of the headlines right now, because nobody wants to talk about it. And I look at these really interesting search engines and platforms and over at uh, Microsoft Network and look at their news headlines. And I look at all the beautiful pictures of the royals. But nobody wants to talk about Prince Andrew making his round on this pedophile circuit where they have to have, I mean, just having young ladies that are apparently 18 is not enough. They have to have 13 and 14 year olds. They have to have underage. They have to be performing what is cr- criminal activity with women who are u- too young to understand what's happening. And they have to be doing it on yachts, out in international waters, in the most you know seedy and debased and just astonishingly horrifying way. And when it comes down to to Twitter over there with Jack, apparently if if young kids are being abused sexually and their imagery, the images of that 
of that abuse is going on to Twitter, apparently they're not taking any real substantive action to take it down. And for what I'm looking at, they have a major problem over at Twitter. And so we're going to have to talk more about that here. And I want to just kind of continue with this line of thinking because it, it goes to the point that this whole Hunter Biden laptop, his ties to back to um, the pedophile problem and the images on, on his laptop, we need to make sure that that, that case and that information doesn't just get completely deleted off the internet. Jack Dorsey has gone to great lengths to make sure that real honest people can't say the truth on Twitter and that that information is treated as if it's some kind of like harmful material or something that these freaking nerds, they're, they're a bunch of perverts and they've been exposed and they've been violated by this kind of seedy sex crime underworld. They've become billionaires and they must have gone to these parties and they must have taken the drugs and they must have taken part in these crimes that they're so desperate to high. And it's obvious now, after all this time, that Joe Biden is really just a fake president, and he really is a tremendous abuser of women. The Tara Reid case alone, just snatching and reaching his hand, it's it just, it's really just unspeakable. And the fact that people don't want to be bothered with this, they don't want to think about how, on the left, the Democrats, among all the other difficult problems they have, they have a problem of a Hollywood elite sex trafficking, which is the same thing as talking about the pedophile rings. And that's what the whole Q thing was all about. And it maybe was a bunch of nerds. Um, making up, there's really, there's really no telling. Ultimately, that has gone away, but we're still left with the reality of these cases of these women who are now going to come forth and expose these men who are taking advantage of them. And it's it's incumbent upon women now to recognize that they have the power at this point, in this point in a day and age in our world, that they have to be able to speak the truth. And you know, d just because women are abused with drugs and then drug raped doesn't make it any less of a rape. So in this situation with Peter Nygaard, I think he is just one of a whole uh, a whole you know bunch of these different perverted individuals who make it their private that they're so rich and they have so much time they have so much influence these fashion moguls what is a fashion mogul what i mean this guy's been getting away with this for 50 years just abusing women and just putting women in these compromising positions and then ruining their lives and just making it part of the trade making it part of the regular doing business you know go, go hang out with prince andrew and go hang out with jeffrey epstein and abuse some 13 year olds and just just this kind of hedonism is absolutely horrifying in our minds and we should be looking at our kids and realizing this is what the the network of hollywood does this is what it's all about this is what they this is their escalator of uh, their orgy escalator of of date rape and abuse that uh, a lot of these women have to deal with out there just to get to do to have an acting dream to, to, to get to get the, the the role and this kind of abuse has been going on in the with these fashion industries and it's time for this whole thing to just break wide open it's all part and parcel of the same world the same elite world the same jack dorsey parties with these guys who want to shape our world with the, you know the microsoft giants who, who want to create vaccines and shape our world and have pedophile parties and that's what it's really coming out this is an enemy a multi-faceted enemy who has to be confronted by the American people. The 75 million voters that were trying to vote against Biden, I mean, I, I don't I mean, Trump was the lesser of two evils. Biden is just a horrifying, complete clown and represents the greatest danger to America that we've ever faced, in my mind. We never had a worse president, a, a more rejected president, an unelected president who was, you know, put into power by the technocracy, who now can control... Their algorithm control the data bits, control the packets, you know. And we'll talk more about the whole election fraud later. But it really, it, it, we have to recognize that they're controlling the culture, 
and they're ultimately sexualizing these young people, young men and young women. They're, they're sexualizing with this culture. And I find it fascinating that um, if you uh, if we listen to some more of the of the discussion that they had with Yanyella, she was talking about that in, in Central Florida, they have the largest problem with with children, the crimes against children, with sex trafficking. The problem in Central Florida is as big as the problem in in, in New York and L.A. Let's just take a listen to that little part. And through sex trafficking, and it sort of my path became clear that this was a crime that nobody was talking about. This was an offense against human dignity and against human life that was nobody was seeming to really do much about. And I wanted to be a part of that fight to change that in this country and in this world. And so I became a criminal prosecutor in Florida for the first eight years of my career. And that time, I worked a majority of that time in helping victims of sex trafficking and victims of sexual abuse. Um, and then when I left the state attorney's office in Florida and went into private practice, we've been pursuing civil lawsuits and helping victims of human trafficking and sexual abuse ever since. It's an incredible story, and there's certainly too few people out there like you. Um, something that comes to mind is, you know, I understand that Central Florida is actually kind of like a hot spot for this kind of stuff. And why is that? It's a great question. We get actually asked that all the time, and you're absolutely right. We're third in the country for the numbers for human trafficking being reported to the national hotline. And so if you really think about that, we're, we're up there with New York, and we're up there with California and sometimes Texas. But what makes Florida unique is the couple factors. We have Disney World right in the middle of our, our, our state. And along with Disney World, we've got Universal, we have all the theme parks, I and mean, it's a huge, huge market for tourism. And so when individuals come to Florida for tourism, really think about it for the traffickers, there's a constant flow of new clientele. And where you aren't, you aren't just dealing with the same people over and over again, you know, today it's this group of tourists, next week it'll be a whole new group of tourists. So if they can properly advertise, often through online channels, to the new group of tourists each week and each month, there is never a shortage of people to buy sex and unfortunately to buy children in many cases, to buy vulnerable, vulnerable adults and you name it. We also have a system in Florida where our network of roads is set up to, to run a perfect circuit is one of the words they use. So if you were to follow the roads, it's very easy to run a loop where you can go, you can start up here in Atlanta, you can come down the I-95 to Orlando, you can hit Tampa, you can, you can go down the coast all the way to Miami, and you could loop back up again through Lauderdale and hit all of the major tourist sites. That's not every, you know, one-size-fits-all, but the, the network of infrastructure of roads really does cater to running a circuit so that the victims stay disoriented and the traffickers can maximize their profits. So I thought it was crucial just to add that that notation, that little point of view that she has right there when it comes to Florida and, and the situation. And I'm not surprised at all that she had to point out that the Disney World is in Orlando is the, at the center of, of some of this, and that it's an issue, you know, as far as tourism with children theme parks and just the kind of history that is starting to come out about Disney World and the, the whole posture of, of their, uh, especially some of their their campground and their suites and their club. 33 uh, children's suites for people that uh, who pay a little more you can get uh, into the, the club 33 group and it becomes a kind of uh, intimate camping experience and there's a lot of reports about abuse that goes there that's a, a kind of a side issue that we'll explore at, at further opportunities but we have to understand that at this point 
in our history we're we're defining what is good and evil and what is morally right and wrong and what's proper for children to be exposed to to keep them in a state of fitness and emotional wellness and wholeness and the, the, all these definitions and, and it, it, the, the struggle is over defining what is truly good and what is evil and for a lot of these people out there who have these different alternate lifestyles and they want to teach their different children to be other genders or to teach them to that there are other gender possibilities and that they can be you know a boy girl and just all these different kind of the whole, the whole question of the tra- transgender issue raises a question of what is morally right and wrong and we have a whole contingent of kind of you know the, the red state the flyover country and this and the, the, you know what we call sometimes the Jesus land the people who live out in the country who aren't a part of this New York Los Angeles you know pedophile network Hollywood circuit they're not you know they don't have all the fashion styles correct they're just the people who live out there in the country and you know who just farm their farmland or do the normal things that all the elites in the big cities have no idea take place, you know, because, you know, as far as they're concerned, the disconnect is that, you know, the flyover country is really just a bunch of nobodies. And um, you can see that the political power equation is becoming a dynamic that really can't be ignored anymore. And um, you can see that the people out in the country want to have the nuclear family, you know, the very thing that BLM and uh, Antifa want to destroy the nuclear family where you have a mom and a dad and kids and they all play, you know, Parcheesi at home each night. And, uh, you know, they, they have dinner around the table and they hold hands and say grace and just the normal people out there that have pickup trucks and you don't don't take yachts full of teenage girls to drug them and to rape islands you know the people that there's a disconnect in being able to relate on a human level and I think that as far as Mark Zuckerberg they, they relate to the, the rape island guys they relate to these guys um, that we're talking about in these stories uh, as far as the fashion mogul here I think that they would be on the side of protecting them and keeping their secrets and making sure that their victims stay silent. And uh, that's why we need to really discuss this whole issue of Twitter. It's really gotten out of control and it's become a major problem for for our entire country because they've become so tyrannical. They've decided to choose what is right and wrong and you know who and make an enemies list and, and to decide to shut down people's ability to speak on their platform and and ultimately, but when it comes to, to child abuse, for them to to get all politically involved with shutting down uh, Josh Hawley's ability to to be, you know, as a U.S. senator, I mean, the guy is the next American hero, and they're of course going to go against him and silence him. But they're going to allow all these pedophile rings with their pedophile imagery. This is such a disgusting issue. It's such a horrifying and cumbersome and difficult issue to, to deal with because regular people, they're over here, they don't have any understanding of, of, of the damage or, or how, how uh, horrifying this is. And so that these these guys like Hunter Biden can go and they can cheat and they, they you know, it looks like he's still on the board of Burisma. So he'll continue to be on the, the Chinese payroll and he'll, he'll continue to be a Chinese tool and he'll be able to, to continue to smoke crack and abuse children and and Twitter and Jack Dorsey will continue to cover that up and that's what you're dealing with that's the kind of soulless immoral reprobate cabal of idiots and pornography addicted fiends that you're really dealing with I mean these guys up they're really godless and they're they're hateful they're really trying to destroy the American people in the democratic process so they continue to do their pedophile island trips 
and they can continue to hang out with the Hollywood parties and they can continue to have their ragers where there's no rules and, and they're this aristocracy that, you know, this oligarchy that can get away with anything while we, you know, make all the little people down there, you know, they're really just, they're, we're, we're dealing with a great reset, aren't we? They're going to have to collapse this money system into a total devaluation, a hyperinflation. So, you know, people are going to get smashed on their wages. We, we might have mass starvation. It looks like it's 1929, like the Great Depression is about to hit all, like the, the great collapse of the stock market is, is like about to hit again. And instead of having an economic reformer like we have with this, the previous president, we have this new idiot pervert with the crackhead son, and he's going to really ultimately serve the interests of the Chinese in the, in the most horrifying and nightmarish turnaround of events in American history. And the Chinese, of course, are moving forward to take full advantage of it. And um, like I said, we'll, we'll talk about you know what's happening with that in further episodes. But regarding the whole issue with Peter Nygaard, he's really just the, the, um, the symptom. He's just the symptom of really what is happening out here on these billionaire estates with these, um, and the whole fashion industry itself is just calling into question of, of how many of these women who are out here on these runways showing off their beautiful uh, clothing and their new fashion designs, how how many of them are being drugged and raped on pedophile islands? or How, you know, how many of them have had these experiences and are being shut up and sexually exploited? I mean, this is 2021, and you have the Me Too president-in-chief who has this terrible track record of having been apparently abusive to young women and 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 being and, and as far as being a baby sniffer i mean the guy is absolutely a disgusting fiend and by some kind of trickery of the dominion voting systems and a mass hacking of our voting system the the voter fraud the rigged election has been somehow fraudulently handed over to this sex fiend and his crackhead son and their ties to chinese spy networks and they're ultimately their ties to Epstein Island and to Peter Nygaard. And you can see that uh, Prince Andrew was definitely one of their buddies. And they're, they're all this this affluent, elite level, super wealthy um, circuit of perverts who like to go around and find victims to drug and abuse. And that's really what we're dealing with here. And we have to circle back again because now we're in the Biden era. Let's circle back. Let's circle back to Twitter and their inability to hopefully they get smashed on this lawsuit. I mean, I hope that the the plaintiff, if I'm saying my legal jargon correctly, I hope they get a billion dollars uh, for this because apparently um, they were leaving this image of, uh, of, a, of, a, of an abused child. I mean, I don't even, who knows? Nobody wants to see this. Nobody wants to know. Nobody really wants to know this kind of lurid, horrifying information. But this is the kind of stuff that is happening out there while, you know, these weird political sycophants of Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton and Obama and the the uh, the sex trade the sex pedophile ring operators over there are trying to get they're they're constantly protecting these uh, the, their allies on the the political left and so you can expect Mark Zuckerberg and uh, Jack Dorsey over there at Twitter to do everything in their power to make sure their algorithm censors and does not reflect any real effort to expose any of this abuse and pr- ultimately protect the victimizers and protect those who are out there to exploit young women and 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 ultimately peter nygaard probably was a beneficiary of this protection for a long time and he really was ultimately if you look in the news you couldn't hear anything in social media or in the media about peter nygaard until his sons who were ultimately sexually abused themselves by this guy's outrageous predations and perversions were so great that ultimately his sons had to step in and and 
file lawsuits and get law enforcement involved and it, it took an entire year and so now the guy despite all our, our the efforts justice is finally being served so you know jack dorsey and mark zuckerberg are totally disgusting perverted monsters for allowing individuals like this to, for making a space for them to to exist and for allowing these kind of images to exist on their networks while at the same time you know censoring the president of the united states so you can see the hypocrisy and the double standard is almost surreal and it's off the chart so let's take a listen here we need to continue on with uh, yan yelik and the uh, haba law firm there and that whole discussion because we need to get into this question of is there a culture of child pornography on twitter that's the question is there a culture of child pornography on twitter that's allowed to exist because it's free expression i mean are we getting has it become that twisted has the neo-marxist takeover of all things uh, political and cultural become so great now that they're, they're willing to create a fascist uprising against Donald Trump, all to suppress those who would suggest that pedophilia is a crime and it's wrong, and then turn around and, and protect speech like like these illegal images. Let's let's talk more about it. You and I were to go out there and trade child pornography, both of us would be in trouble with law enforcement and civilly immediately. But if you do it through a social network, all of a sudden, because it's online, that suddenly becomes immune. Twitter is being sued for refusing to remove a video of alleged child sex abuse from its platform. By day two, there was 167,000 views of that pornographic image of this child. According to the lawsuit, a child was coerced by sex traffickers to record sex acts with another minor. A video of this was later posted on Twitter. When he asked for the video to be removed, Twitter allegedly said it, quote, didn't find a violation of our policies, so no action will be taken at this time. It was only when the Department of Homeland Security stepped in that it was finally removed. In this episode, we sit down with attorney Lisa Haba. The case was jointly filed by the Haba Law Firm, the Matiasik Firm, and the National Center on Sexual Exploitation Law Center. This is American Thought Leaders, and I'm Yanya Kelik. Lisa... Your law firm, the Haba Law Firm, in coordination with uh, the National Center for Sexual Exploitation, you have now filed a lawsuit against Twitter for alleged child sexual abuse material on the platform in a very specific case. I'm wondering if you could outline to me what you're doing. We have alleged a pivotal lawsuit here where a 13-year-old boy had been targeted by sex traffickers on Snapchat. And through this, the traffickers had sent him and some images of what he believed to be a 16-year-old female um, and the nude and had requested and demanded images in exchange. That quickly turned into exploitation. And the traffickers immediately upon receiving an image in return began threatening this child. They were going to expose him to those people that he cared about, his pastor, his school leaders, his parents, people in the community that might care about such an image. The child attempted for a long time to appease the traffickers, uh, acquiescing to their demands in an effort to save his family and save himself you know, from their demands, and ultimately was able to break free when they demanded to meet with him, and he thankfully declined to do so. Now, what became rather problematic is that even though our child had thought he had closed the cha- this chapter on this part of his life, he thought he was free from his traffickers and can finally live the life a child should live. He then, at 16 years old, had a compilation video of his sexual abuse material surface on Twitter. Now, that, that material was widespread, widespread, it was distributed prolifically on Twitter, 
And within, by day two, there was 167,000 views of that pornographic image of this child. He became suicidal. He became, you know, very, very upset, of course, that this was happening to him. And about January of last year, his mother found out. And through the support of his parents, he was able to contact Twitter. He was able to reach out to them and demand that they take this illegal sexual abuse material down off their platform. Twitter, surprisingly, not only really didn't respond with much at the beginning, more than an acknowledgement of receiving the complaint, but Twitter turned around after several days and wanted proof of age and proof of identity. So our child said that there's Florida driver's license to Twitter and said, look, this is me. This is my license. This is my age. I'm still a minor. Please take down this illegal material. And Twitter waited several more days before finally saying a devastating comment to, our, to this child. We don't find this to be a violation of our policies, and we're going to take no further action. So as I'm sure you can imagine, the family was horrified. This material never came off the web until finally the Department of Homeland Security stepped in and was able to finally remove it after nine days of being disseminated. I mean, that's an incredible story. I understand that Twitter actually has a zero-tolerance policy on child sexual abuse material. What's interesting is they do. Their words say the right things. Their words say that they have a zero-tolerance policy. But their actions speak differently. When our client asked them to take down the exact material that they say that they proclaim to preclude, they refuse to act. And so that's basically the essence of this lawsuit. I mean, I have to ask here, is there any reason, why do you think they might have been mistaken here? You know, it's an interesting question, but I, you know, I cannot presume to know what Twitter's thought process was behind their refusal to remove illegal material from their platform. I can tell you that after reviewing the complaint in its, in its entirety, you know, outlining the communications, outlining everything that happened with Twitter, it should have been abundantly apparent to them to take it down. And instead of doing the socially responsible thing, instead of doing the lawful thing, they instead refused to act. So Twitter certainly was profiting off the exploitation of John Doe. How exactly does, or did allegedly Twitter profit from having this video showed 167,000 times, I believe that's what you said? No, that's a great question. So we've outlined in our complaint the profit model that Twitter follows. And it appears from our, our research and what we understand, the Twitter profits primarily in two main ways. One is their advertising model. So when you go through a feed on Twitter, they'll interlace it with different targeted advertising uh, throughout that feed. And every single time those, those ads are clicked on or viewed or what have you, there's profit to be made by Twitter. And then the other way is through data licensing on Twitter. And that, of course, comes through people being on the platform, tweeting things, retweeting things, and viewing them. So every single time that there is a tweet that's put on Twitter, there's really two opportunities for profit to be made. And so that's why, what is, that is what has helped Twitter become a billion dollar business, allowing them to profit from each of the tweets that's put up. I see. So it's not that they're profiting around this specific one intentionally. It's just a byproduct of their business that it, they allowed it to be up. That's correct. The other question is, you know, we've talked a lot on this show, actually, about uh, Section 230 protections for Twitter. How does, does that factor into this case, or how does it factor into this case? Well, it's going to be interesting to see what Twitter's response is going to be, and they very well could allege that. Um, to date, they have not. But 
We do note that one thing that makes our case unique is that there was a new law passed in 2018 called FOSTA-SESTA, which is basically an exception to 230 that says that if you are directly profiting or, or benefiting from human trafficking, that that is not necessarily a guaranteed immunity for the big tech platforms. We also think that as this case, you know, in the alternative, as this case moves forward, we're interested to look at the fact that 230 is certainly an interpretation that our courts have broadly interpreted over the years. That broad interpretation, you know, the question really becomes, is it too broad? Is it too far reaching? Or is it smaller? You know, if you if you and I were to go out there and trade child pornography, both of us would be in trouble with law enforcement and civilly immediately. But if you do it through a social network, all of a sudden, because it's online, that suddenly becomes immune. That doesn't really seem to make a lot of sense. So we're looking very carefully and we plan to argue very heavily that Section 230 was never intended to give criminals immunity from any kind of liability. And it never was intended to protect sex trafficking of any kind. And suffice to say that there has been, based on our investigation, a massive amount of child pornography on Twitter's platform that is openly being distributed, traded, and disseminated amongst its users. Is this distributed in plain sight? Is that what you're saying? It is. And actually, our, our the Im- very image that we're describing, the compilation video of John Doe, just as by way of example, has, Libby had commentary underneath it saying things like, isn't this a child? Both those boys are children. You know, there was commentary that was so obvious right on the platform. Uh, You know, our investigation, this is outlined in our complaint as well, looked into how Twitter is able to disseminate this material. And for example, there are known hashtags out there that are directly linked to child pornography and the distribution of it. Those hashtags not only are operational on Twitter, but if you type them into the search bar, it offers suggested phrases to help you find it more efficiently. I've seen I've seen lines of tweets back and forth offering things as blatant as I've got ages twelve to fourteen. Who here has eight to ten? Great, let's let's connect and, and share our imagery. So it's very obvious and very blatant what's happening. And when you look at the incredible quantity of material of that nature and how easy it is to find on the platform if you know the right hashtags, it's horrifying. So as we move forward, we're piecing together quite a damning case here to, to, to make it simple. I mean, you are out there and you're unaware of any of this taking place, but apparently Twitter is really just a pedophile network. It's really just a place for people to safely transmit pornographic images of underage kids and to safely transmit and conduct this criminal activity without anyone interfering. Now, you can't be Donald Trump. I mean, I guess Donald Trump, it's his mistake for even trying to have a voice and speak out and speak the truth on a pedophile network. But think about it. If you're using Twitter and you have a Twitter account and you're on there, you're actually part of a criminal pedophile ring, a a culture where people are going to trade this imagery and then ultimately lead to the act of human trafficking itself. And you're actually participating in this network. You're feeding into it, spending your money and your attention and your time in existence. You're actually waking years of your life on their network while it represses political speech and it apparently seems to proliferate child pornography. So I want you to go ahead and grab your phone. Unless you're a complete reprobate monster, unless you're a disgusting monster, you need to go on there, get Twitter, you need to deactivate your account, you need to get rid of that. You need to 
to stop feeding into it and stop posting thoughts and stop putting your information on a network that would repress the president of the United States and freely allow child pornographer pornographic image to freely flow on their network so that's really your bad you should know better than that right i mean isn't that what it comes down to you should know better than to allow yourself to be feeding into child pornography and jack dorsey is a complete reprobate fool can't you just look at his lifestyle and how he lives and his ugly tattoos and his weird like vegan lifestyle where he's got his he's all emaciated and he looks like he's been stranded on an island for six months and he's obviously not eating anything but cucumbers and the guy is a pig he's a disgusting pig they need to cut their protections and they need to go after them with antitrust laws and make sure that they can't they can't allow child pornography to be protected on their networks and they can't we you know we have to have networks that allow people to speak freely and so this is all part and parcel of the whole thing this is the entire backdrop of this elite pedophile world that we're talking about where there's no longer any mores there's no longer there's nothing to moor you to any kind of like sanity or any kind of social constraints or any kind of consequences from the the uh, law enforcement and and your money and your uh, your ability to really put people into massive drug dependency or to put them into financial dependency because you're you know, you're a fashion mogul or you're a big tech, you know, you're an operator at Facebook or Twitter, you're a big, you're a big wig, you have a Ferrari, so you can begin to participate in this world where, you know, there's no more liability, there's no more consequence for your action. And that's really what we're, we're dealing with here in the world is that these monsters, these kind of elite pig-headed monsters have gotten to the point where they can control our accounts, they can control our bank accounts, they can basically control our lives and they're a small minority, they're an oligarchy, a tiny fraction of the aristocracy that we now have to look out for and they represent an absolute mortal danger to our own country as a, as a parasitical host they, um, they are really just leaning in on our, our ability to have, I mean, technology is supposed to be something that allows for the, the freedom and the enrichment of the entire society. It's not there to become a propaganda network that begins to persecute and to assault one particular part of the body politic as opposed to, to protect the other part, you know, and, and that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with the hyper politicization of our entire government bureaucracy itself so that it's become a place where they the technocracy is going to side with the culture and the hollywood elite and side with those members who are sold out to china in washington dc to leverage out the entire voice of the american people itself and ultimately they're going to be protectors of these these uh gatekeepers and these power holders and these kind of pedophile uh, they're easier to control when you have crackheads like Hunter Biden who will fly over to Beijing and, and and go back and tell pop whatever needs to be done and take billions of dollars to be corrupt and um, to to sleep with underage girls and get photographed doing it so you can be controlled and that's what this is all about it's all about controlling the political uh, leaders in our country and ultimately, there's no telling what they have on Jack Dorsey and what they have on Mark Zuckerberg, what drives them so hard to take these risks and to push so hard to put an illegal, reprobate, and fraudulent president in the White House. I mean, this is the biggest crime of the century, and these are really crimes against humanity, and they're there to protect Prince Andrew, I mean, is this guy ever going to answer for this? I mean, are these people totally above the law? And as this all comes out and becomes more and more exposed to the public, it makes me wonder if we are all in just kind of tre tremendous danger 
maybe they'll have uh, government uh, governor Newsom over there in, in California shut down the coast and allow for a full land invasion of the Chinese military to just come and dump their hundreds of thousands of troops right onto the shores of California and start to march across our country. And what are all you all you American patriots going to do? What are you going to what are you American free men going to do about it? If if that's the plan, if Newsom just wants to, you don't think that they would allow that to happen, right? You don't think that they would just make a a Trojan horse, an open gateway for for China to push its navy right in, up our coasts. And you think that they would protect us, right? Wouldn't Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden, wouldn't they go and protect the American people against the uh, the onslaught of the Chinese? And that's what, you're, that's what we're dealing with. And we're dealing with a total, complete subversion of our entire country. And the propaganda is so intense that so you can't even see the truth. And if there was a collapse of our, our military defense, or you know, how would you even know? Would Jack Dorsey over Twitter allow, allow you to find out? I mean, these people are controlling massive flows of information. They seem like they're all in this weird pedophile cabal where you're not allowed to talk about it. You're not allowed to deny that the election was was totally legit. There was no fraud. I mean, of course, this is the most fraudulent election ever. This guy, Trump, 76 million votes and uh, the most ever in history. And um, it looks like as we're moving forward that the information is slowly coming out little by little. It's slowly being revealed that, and he is, and really the military is still up there. So this really feeds into a lot of the uh, the Q followers are really like calling you all stupid. They're 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 really pointing out the fact that it doesn't look like at this point that the the, the fake election results are going to pass. And so there's a lot of places in the background you can't find it on MSNBC, you can't find it on CNN, you can't find it at on Time Magazine. I, I, wait, I guess on Time Magazine you can find it, a little bit about it, but apparently the results of this election are still up in the air. It's still a question as to whether this exploitation and this massive hacking is really going to stand. So I find it interesting to see where that leads. But really the part that they can't hide, the exposure and this abuse, the sexual abuse of women and women who are under age and just the use of drugs and alcohol and this kind of pamper party thing. It's so like condescending and it's, it's, it's so horrifying to think that these young ladies who are like college age, who should have been out there, you know, living, like having the golden years of their lives, I guess. And having um, and, and enjoying their you know being young and, and pursuing new opportunities were really just being the targets of of this sexual abuse. And you know, Peter Nightgard just represents. If you read the stories, it looks like he was allowing some of the Panamanian, uh, the Bahamanian. Uh, am I saying it right? That the uh, the the officials and some of the pol the politicians there in the Bahamas, they were passing some of these young ladies around according to some of the allegations. So you can see that they were just totally creating, a, a, a prostituting these, these young women, you know, in the name of fashion. And you can put them in, you know, $2,000 high heels and march them all to these clubs and put them all on drugs. And it's really just the whole wholesale pimping of these young women that you're calling models. So they, they think they're going off to live a model lifestyle, but they're really being just subjected to prostitution. And um, that's really what's so dis disgusting about Peter Nygaard. It's it's the crimes that he committed, but it's also the immoral and heinous abuses of these young ladies that they have to go on into their future, just realizing that you know that that they've been mis mistreated that way, and having spent so much time being afraid to speak out, and even getting other women involved with it, you know. And so that's that's Peter Nygaard just represents the Hollywood fashion. New York City circuit, the whole clique. He was just one of the guys at the big raging parties, at the club scene, one of the guys that these young women were going to ultimately get caught up with. Epstein, 
or Harvey Weinstein or now this guy. How many more of these guys are going to come out? I mean, how many more of them are going to be exposed? We really have nothing left to, to really offer, but we really need to listen to the words of the victims themselves. So we're going to really play a little piece here by CBC Broadcasts, which, Podcast, which is the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. And the episode is called Evil by Design. And we're going to take a listen to that. Burn kitchen and a giant bed covered with white sheets. Though I've never been inside, I know this room. It's been written about since the 70s as the Winnipeg home of this Playboy businessman. Remember that office bedroom housing a sectional sofa that transformed into a bed? And a panel of switches that locked doors, dimmed lights, and cued romantic music all under a mirrored ceiling? It's this room. And for April Tolek, it's one she'll never forget. That invitation to Winnipeg was a huge turning point in my life. It impacted me in more ways than I thought it could or would. Yeah, it changed my life forever. In 1993, April was a 20-year-old aspiring actress and model who was representing Canada at the beauty pageant Miss Asia Pacific Quest. But there was the question as to whose clothes she would wear, who would be her sponsor. As it happened, April had a connection to one of Canada's biggest clothing labels, a friend who was related to Peter Nygaard. I was about to travel to the Philippines for the first international competition. They felt like it would be a wonderful idea for a Canadian girl to be representing Canada in every way. And I thought that was a fabulous idea. In November 1993, I got a call from Peter himself. And he said he thought that I would be great as the model for his signature line and that I should come to Winnipeg. April had actually met Peter Nygaard before this phone call while visiting her friend and Nygaard relative in California. During that trip, April stayed at Nygaard's Marina Del Rey estate in a self-contained apartment or what they called then an executive suite. I said, okay, so where will I be sleeping? And where's my suite? And he said, oh, here. And I, no. With you? No. And he said, well, what did you think was going to happen? And I said, uh, I thought I was coming for work. And... It was pretty obvious to me at that point that he was expecting more. And I said, I am not going to sleep with you tonight. I will not sleep with you tomorrow. I will, that is never going to happen. When April contacted me with her story, it was a turning point. In the long time I'd been investigating Peter Nygaard, we'd heard rumors there were Canadian victims who were attacked long before he settled in the Bahamas. But April was the first Canadian woman who was willing to put her name out there and say, I believe these women and girls from the Bahamas. Because Nygaard did it to me too. And flattering. And then once I said, uh, I'm not staying here with you, 
that's not going to happen. I had never compromised myself. I was not going to compromise myself. So I made it very clear I was not going to stay there with him. And he said, well, what did you think was going to happen? I'll take care of you. You take care of me. We take care of each other. And I said, no, 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 that's not the way it works. And it became the cat chasing the mouse really very, very quickly. I went to the bathroom um, and there was a phone in the bathroom and I phoned the airline to ask about getting a flight out that night. And there is no flight from Winnipeg to Vancouver until the Tuesday, following Tuesday. So I, I didn't quite know what to do, but I went back out into the living room, which there's this bed that comes out. It's this sort of half circle. I'm just sitting there and he starts like actively pursuing me physically. And I know, no, you know, I didn't go hardcore uh, with defense right away because I thought I'll just talk my way out of this. I, you know, I'm a smart girl. I've been in this business my whole life. I can, I can figure out a way to handle this. And I tried with talk and everything. And then he pulled his, he exposed himself and he wanted me to give him oral sex. And I fought with him for a bit. And um, I said, just let me go. Just please, I, I'm just going to leave. I don't need to stay here. I don't want to stay here. I, and he said, I can't let you go. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, I can't risk you telling somebody. And I said, I'm not going to tell anybody. That to me, that line... I can't risk you telling anybody made me so scared that I wasn't going to make it out of there unless maybe I I was terrified of him. So as we really need to just begin to wrap up our episode here, I'm not going to take that interview any further. It's really, it's pretty disturbing and it's upsetting. And it's, it's really, it's horrifying that this woman should have to be brought out in the public to have to discuss these issues, which are, are difficult for her. And the fact that she was abused and she was ultimately the victim of this system in Hollywood that just looks for young talent, um, young actors, young models to just ultimately make them into these, to, to prostitute them, to, and to try to turn them out into this sycophantic world of just being a, a pseudo porn star and just slavishly worshiping these, uh, these men. No real men in America. There's no real, real men, real family men, real men who, who would permit or tolerate this kind of behavior. And this is what we're talking about, this this wholesale abuse of these women. It's time for the men of, of America, real men, to stand up and to, to just totally fight this system of pervasive abuse that we're seeing really in, in Hollywood, in New York City, in Los Angeles. We see it playing out everywhere. We can no longer put our money into Amazon, into these Hollywood movies. We can no longer put our money into Twitter, into these networks that are allowing and facilitating child abuse and child pornography. It's time to make a stand. It's time to fight. Thanks again for coming back to the Syllabus Journal.